الحمد لله وكفى وسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والذين جاهدوا فينا لنهدينهم سبلنا صدق الله العظيم سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم We praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for having guided us, for granting us iman. All praise belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we send peace and blessings upon Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and upon his family and his progeny and his companions and his wives and all those that followed them in their ways. Jazakumullah <coughs> khayn for coming. See, we built up now, mashallah. More people now. <laughs> uh, so this week, inshallah, Imam Ghazali rahimullah reaches the name Al-Wajid. So Al-Wajid means uh, the resourceful, in a nutshell, the resourceful. Uh, it's quite uh, concise what he has to say about it. He says basically Al-Wajid, so Wajid comes from the word Wajd. Wajada Yajidu in Arabic means uh, to find something. Wajada is he found something. But the, the root word Wajd means uh, ease and abundance. And so Wajid is the one who... So if wajd is to find something uh, with the nuance of ease and abundance, then wajd is the one who finds it, right? The, the finder, you can say. But this means that the resourceful one, because it is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He finds everything that He needs to find. So anything that needs to be found, He finds it. However, this is, when we speak about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we have to remind ourselves that this is a matter of perspective, right? So He finds it. That language entails that he had lost it or he didn't know where it was. But that's not appropriate for describing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because nothing is outside of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's knowledge. So he never loses anything. That's why saying the one who found or who finds things is not the, the most appropriate uh, understanding or definition. So hence the resourceful one is used. But what it means is that whatever need or means there is for a thing, then it's ready, it's there for the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So whenever there's a need for something, right? You, you have a need, then you need to find the means to achieve that need. So in that sense, whenever there is any need, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala already has the means to achieve that, that end, right? Now we can understand this if we think about the different anbiya. The flood was coming in the time of Nuh al-Islam. And the, the world did not know of a ship. There was no such thing as a ship. It had not been built yet. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guided him to that, inspired him and taught him how to construct a ship. Right? So the, there was a need which was to be able to survive on the water. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then gave him that need. Ibrahim and when he was in the fire, he was going to be thrown in the fire. There was a need for him to survive. So what happened? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took away the quality of burning from the fire. Right? Musa a.s had a need, he arrived at the sea. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him the means to part that sea. There was no other way to get away from Fir'aun and his army at that time. So whatever need was there, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave it. You look at Ayyub salam, that he was afflicted with a sickness for a time. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him that cure. Isa and all the different miracles that he performed, 
people were challenging him medically. Scientifically, they were challenging Isa Islam. So what he, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him the means to be able to answer those challenges in a way that the, the people making the challenge could not compete with him. So what, he cured the leper, he cured the blind, he brought the dead back to life. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him the means. So it is that whatever means Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala needs to use are there for him to use it. And this happens in the form of different animals and whatnot. What happened like in the, the story of the, the elephant when Abraha was coming to destroy the Kaaba. Then who, who did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala employ for his army? What happened? Abdul Muttalib, the grandfather of the Prophet he was told, he was chosen, you're basically our leader, you go out and you, you talk to him. So Abraha's coming, you guys know the story, right? So Abraha's coming with this massive army and with the elephants, these people have never even seen elephants before, many of them, they're in the desert, you know? And uh, he just goes up to him and tells him, you know, like, you have my camels and I need my camels. He comes back and tells the people, what happened? He said, well, you know, we should all go to the mountains, man, but I got my camels back. <laughs> What happened? The elephant was used and the birds came and they were used. So whatever, whatever purpose Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, He uses them uh, and they are there for his, at, his, at His command. Everything. So you can take this even to mean like non-Muslims for example. People who are not even Muslim to begin with, who might not even believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but Allah ta'ala uses them as well, even for the purposes of Islam. Right? Look at Abu Talib for example. He never accepted Islam. Yet look at how much support he provided to the Prophet and to the Muslims, right? And so many other examples. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also says in the Quran, in Surah, uh, Surah Duha, He says what? Alam yatiman fa'awa. He's talking, he's speaking to Rasulullah that did, did he not find you as an orphan? And then he, what? Did he not find you as an orphan? And then he made you... Um, What's the word? He 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 gave you shelter. And did he not find you? Uh, did he not find you lost? And then he guided you, right? So Rasulullah he knew. I mean, all the anbiya they were they were inspired and they recognized they were in, in touch with their fitrah. So they knew that what was happening around them was wrong. But they sometimes they didn't have the guidance from Allah Subhanahu wa Taala yet because he didn't. He hadn't made their prophethood manifest on them yet. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that, you know, you knew this stuff was going on was wrong. You felt lost. Did he, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not guide you? Did He not give you revelation? Did He not show you the way to, for yourself to be guided and for everyone else, to guide everyone else? And did He not find you needy? And then He made you independent. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is al-wajid. That he, he is the caretaker and the nurturer. And he is the one that is in, uh, in control of all of our affairs. So he is al-wajid. He is the one that we should call upon. So that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will then uh, guide us and take care of us in whatever situation we are in. And then there's a verse of Quran that is brought. وَمَنْ يَعْمَلْ سُوَىٰ أو يظلم نفسه ثم يستغفر الله يجد الله غفورا رحيما. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says in Surah Nisa that whoever does an evil deed, whoever does something evil, uh, or he wrongs himself, he transgresses against himself, ثم يستغفر الله, then he seeks forgiveness from Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Then he seeks forgiveness from Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. يجد الله غفورا رحيما. He will find Allah Subhanahu wa Taala most forgiving and most merciful. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the resourceful one. This is Yajidillah, he will find Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be most forgiving, most merciful. 
we sin and so now there is no greater need that as, as insan that we have other than our sins to be forgiven. That is our greatest need. And so Allah SWT says those who do wrong, those who wrong themselves and then they seek forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that they will find Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He will fulfill that need of theirs because this is within His means obviously and He forgives them and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is most merciful. So that is al-wajid. Questions? Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, sorry, then the, the next name is al-majid. So majid is very short. Does it sound familiar with any other names? Yeah. Majid, right? Right? Al-majid. So majid and majid, very similar. Same root words, comes from majd. Uh, basically, it's, it's like two sentences, Imam Zai says. He says, basically, it's practically the same. Majid was the all-glorious. And majid is the magnificent. So he says the difference between these two is the same as alim and alim. So majid is like alim and majid is like alim. So alim is the one who knows and alim is the omniscient, right? The, body, the one who, the being who has all knowledge, right? It's an uh, exaggeration of, of the quality of the sifa. Uh, Majid is Alim. Ma, uh, Majid is like Alim. If you if you see it written, then you can actually see how like they they match up in the way they're written. Um, so Majid is like Alim, and Majid is like Alim. Right. So Alim is the one who knows, and Alim is the exaggerated form. So similarly, Majid is uh, the magnificent, and Majid is the uh, the the all glorious. So they're similar in meaning. Um, one is it takes the form of the what we call in Arabic the ismal file, the doer, right? So that is usually these are uh, it's a slight different nuance. The ismal file, and we've mentioned this before also that you only become the file, you only become the doer as long as you are doing something. So for example, if we're all sitting right now, you can say that the ismal file jalis applies to us, that we are sitting. If you're not sitting, you can no longer be called jalis anymore, right? The one who sits. So ismul fail is only uh, apparent as long as it is being done. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has both of these names, Majid and Majid. That He is the Magnificent and He is the All-Glorious. That even and in every moment, that glory and that magnificence belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? And that He is, it is, it shows like a constancy that He, it None of these sifat are actually taken away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or not there. So he says that it is one who is highly distinguished with a rich reputation of glory and honor. This is Majid. Somebody who is highly distinguished. So he says you can, uh, you can, you can say that a person was, is Majid if, a per, if, if their parents were, lived a life of great glory and honor and they nurtured the child in that type of reputation and lifestyle, then you can say oh, this person is Majid. So it's what? Somebody who's highly distinguished with a rich reputation of glory and honor. So people who command the most amount of respect, but like true respect they have it. Not because like this person, I just have to respect him now because he's my authority. But like true honor and respect that people have in the community and around us. Some say, so the last name was Wajid, right? Some say that this is an emphasis of Wajid. And so it's, what it does is it combines the meanings to be independence due to availability of abundance. So we said wajid was the resourceful. 
if we combine it, if, they, if we take the opinion that says Majid is an emphasis to Wajid, it brings the, the two meanings as one, so the magnificent and the resourceful, to mean independence due to availability of abundance. So to be resourceful means you have what, you know, an abundance of resources. Right? You can always, if you're a resourceful person, that means in whatever situation where you're not even, uh, it doesn't seem like you have much of the means, you're able to accomplish the task. Right? You're resourceful with the things that you know, are around you. Like one time somebody, uh, I think my brother was in Chicago and it, it was snowing and they were in some beat up old car and the, the windshield wipers started breaking away and it was snowing. So they pulled over at a gas station and they got some tape or rubber bands or something like that and they've got a whole bunch of napkins and they wrapped it on and then they kept using the wipers. <laughs> Resourceful, you got to do what you got to do, right? That's basically it. He just uh, gives a couple of sentences because it's already been explained in, in Majid. But now comes the name uh, Al-Wahid. So you guys remember, those of you that were here, the very first class that we had last year regarding the subject. He said that the name Allah is, is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's name and it is His perfect name but it is not part of the 99 names. Right? You guys remember uh, we said that last year? So that's one opinion. Another opinion is that it is actually part of one of the 99 names of Allah. So Imam Ghazali holds the opinion that the name Allah is one of His 99 <coughs> names. However, others say no, Allah is not part of the 99 names but it's all-inclusive of, of all the other names. So if we take that opinion that Allah is not one of the 99 names, so then there is 98, right? So then what becomes the last name, the 99th name? Right? We're not on the last name, but what, what, is, what takes the place of that name? There's Al-Wahid, which everyone agrees on, and then there's, al, there's Ahad. Okay, Al-Wahid and Ahad. Uh, Imam Ghazali says that Wahid and Ahad are the same thing, which means it means one, but uh, it's more like descri better described or understood as the unique one. Okay, Wahid means one. So Imam Ghazali says Wahid and Ahad are the same. That's why he says, you know, that would leave us at 98, and the name Allah is the 99th name. So we'll go into a little bit more detail about that. But <clears throat> Wahid is the unique one. So it's, it's, some, it's something that can neither be divided nor duplicated. You cannot, it's indivisible. You cannot div divide it down, break it down anymore. It's one, right? And so when you're counting in Arabic, you'll actually say Wahid Ithnain. So Wahid, one, okay? Uh, so he says that it is impossible for the essence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be arranged into different parts. You cannot break them up. Right? You cannot say, this is a portion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is a portion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, like there's uh, some like comic or something that's come out, uh, uh, I don't know what it's called, 99 or something like that, and they're like superheroes. But each one of them is a different attribute or name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Interesting concept, but like really in the sense of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's, it's not accurate. Not that they're necessarily trying to you know, say that these are different parts of Allah, but if that's what somebody would think, that would be inaccurate. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is wahid. He cannot be divided out. He cannot be separated out. So it's described just as you, if you make a point, if you put a point on the board, that single point, it doesn't have any other parts. Right? It's just a single point. That's it. Whereas if you draw, you know, some shape, you might be able to break it down and show it. You might be able to divide it out and whatnot. But it is 
uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is unique and His essence cannot be arranged into parts. So it's like a unitary substance. All working as one. Right? That's why like in, in sports, you know, they might say it's out there, all working as one unit. You know, that we're one side of the, uh, we're, you know, for example, like in football, the defensive line or the offensive line, where one part of the line gives, another part of the line uh, picks up for it. Right? They're all working as one unit. So it's like that, but obviously none of these are perfect descriptions for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, we say that Wahid is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the unique one because as we've stressed over and over again, that we share the names of Allah ta'ala's attributes, but we don't share the realities. So we might share the names, but we cannot truly share the realities. And because no being can share the realities of the attributes of Allah, that makes Him unique. The only one who possesses these attributes, all of them together in perfection. And interestingly enough, Wahid has no plural. Right? So Arabic is a, is a language of singulars, plurals, singular, singular dual, and plurality. Practic practically every word. But Wahid, Al-Wahid is one of Allah's names, that has no plural. Ahad, some say that is one of Allah's names, that has no plural. The name Allah has no plural. Okay. Now we say that this can apply, this concept of being unique can apply to a person as far as their uniqueness to others around them. You say this, this guy is one of a kind, right? But that's in comparison to those around them. However, we cannot say that they are truly al-wahid. Why? Because that only applies to a particular attribute of the person or for a particular time. But somebody, there could be another person just like that individual in another time or in another place. If they're not around now, it might come later on. In sports, it's really easy to think about this. You talk about who is the greatest player ever in any given sport. Everyone will come to, no, this person, he's the best ever. That guy retires, the next, not even the next generation of players, but somebody else in the league, all of a sudden, no, this guy's the best. There's nobody like him. But you just said there was nobody like the last guy, <laughs> right? So truly, nobody is unique the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is unique. And so Imam Ghazali rahimahullah mentions that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone has the right to say what is right, what is wrong, what is lawful, what is un unlawful. That is the thing that, that uh, those things belong to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. So that's why, you know, when it comes to Islam, there are certain things in Islam that one particular society might not agree with. They might not like it. They might want us to change a ruling on it. And another society might be okay with that aspect, but not okay with another aspect. Okay? We have to understand that in Islam, what are we doing? As Muslims, all we're doing is conveying the laws of Allah. We are not the lawmakers. The, lawmakers, the lawmaker is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then by extension, obviously, because he inspired Rasulullah with direct communication with him, the Prophet by extension. Okay? But the lawmaker is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Prophet wasn't even, when we say he was shari', that he was the lawmaker, he wasn't making the laws on his own accord. He was doing it because that's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was telling him to do, that this is the law, right? So I might say like, oh, you know, for example, like homosexuality, right? Big push these days from the whole world that, no, it should be permitted and, you know, all these other reasons why and, you know, it's not a big deal and this and that. And there's pressure to to give in and say, no, it's, now it's permissible. 
it's not really going to change anything, even if I say that it's permissible, right? Because the law is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's law. It is not my law. So all we're doing is conveying. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the only one who is rightful to say, this is right, this is wrong, this is lawful, this is unlawful. Now obviously, there are things that are not mentioned in the Qur'an. And so, you know, for example, like we'll talk about different foods and we'll talk about different, you know, uh, different things that might come up in society. So the ulama extract from the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the sunnah of Rasulullah they extract from the, re- from the sources what seems to be lawful, what seems to be unlawful. Right? But you know, one of the shields of the alim is what? To say Allahu alam. I, you know, Allah knows best. And that's why you'll find books of fatawa and whatnot, always at the end they put in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Because they recognize that there's a chance I might be wrong here. You know? Despite all the proofs I can provide, there's a chance I might be. I might be wrong here, right? That's where difference of opinion and all that stuff comes, comes in. So, the concept that we're speaking about is the concept of oneness. And this is what Tawheed means. Right? Tawheed, which is what? What is Tawheed? Tawheed is like our theology, right? So, Aqidah, for example. Aqidah is one of the names. Also, you can say Ilmut Tawheed. The science or the knowledge of Tawheed of the oneness, because Tawheed is also a sifa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's an attribute that He is one. And so Aqidah is sometimes referred to as that, because a point, uh, you know, sometimes the whole is referred to by its most important aspect. You know? So for example, like again with sports, my, my mind goes to sports, because you know, we were really into sports at it once upon a time, you know? <laughs> but you, you might say that, oh, this is so-and-so's team. It's not really their team, they're just a player on the team. But they're the best one, so it's referred to as their team, right? So Tawheed, what does Tawheed mean? Tawheed means recognition of the unity of the one who alone manages the affairs of his servants. That is Tawheed. Unity of the one who alone, recognition of the unity of the one who alone who manages the affairs of his servants. That is Tawheed. This name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Wahid, brings together all the other names and attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the one, this is like the knot that ties all of them together because He is one. So if we say, well, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is one, a person might respond and say, oh, well, you're saying He's one. Well, one, there's nothing great about one because one is the smallest and most insignificant of things and it is lesser than two and three. Therefore, two and three are greater and more significant. So the response that the ulama give to that, they say, First of all, your thinking is, your thinking is uh, flawed. Because you're thinking in terms of numbers. So they respond by saying that those are, the es- those are essences which can be affected and one whose essence can change. And that is not perfect. Thus they are in need of two and three or more. Right? So if we say that one is... One shows, doesn't show greatness, rather it shows insignificance and small in number. Then they say that those that require more than one shows that they are, or those that can be given more than one shows their imperfection and their need of having more. But because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is perfect, you cannot add to Him. Therefore, his, Him being one is not insignificant and small, but shows that He is the greatest. Right? And similarly, we say that, you know, how many numbers are there? No, there's only one. <laughs> because one is the only exi- number that exists. Two is just two ones, and five is just five ones, and ten is just ten ones, <laughs> right? So one is truly the only number that exists, 
right? So that's what the ulama have said. That's why one is perfect. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is one. And there's a hadith of the Prophet sallallahu that says uh, that Allah is witr and He loves witr. So witr means like, you can say it means odd number, but in this hadith it means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is one and He loves oneness. So what does that mean? That's one interpretation of the, of the hadith. The ulama say the explanation of it is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is one and He loves the heart that is solely dedicated to Him. Right? Now, in regards to ahad, so we said wahid, uh, wahid is a figure whereby one can begin counting, right? So we said like you can say wahid, ithnain. The difference between wahid and ahad is similar to that of Rahman and Rahim. That just as both entail mercy and compassion, but Rahim is more general. It can apply to other things. Rahman can only apply to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's a more specific type of mercy. In the same way, Wahid can apply to other things. So you can say Rajulun Wahidun, one man. But you cannot say Rajulun Ahadun. You cannot use Ahad for anyone else. And you cannot use Ahad for numbers to say like, you know, one pen. You won't say, use the word Ahad. That's grammatically, it's, it's linguistically incorrect and inaccurate. A person might understand what you're saying, but it's not linguistically correct. And it is for this reason that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's name Wahid is not Wahid, it's Al-Wahid. That alif lam that comes at the beginning makes it uh, makes it ma'rifa, makes it uh, uh, definite, makes it a definite noun. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-wahid. But what does he say? He says, Qul huwallahu ahad. He doesn't say al-ahad. Because ahad belongs only to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It cannot be used for anyone else. It is more specific than wahid. So there's no need. Usually in Arabic, when, you, when a word, when a noun is missing that alif lam in the beginning, it shows indefiniteness. It shows um, uh, non-specificity, right? It's not specific. So if you say rajulun without the alif lam, that means a man. It could be any man. If you say ar-rajul with an alif lam at the beginning, it shows the man, a specific individual, right? Yeah. So for Rahman and Rahim, which one was the one that was only for Allah and for God? Rahman. Rahman is only for Allah. So you cannot name someone Rahman. You have to say Abdurrahman. But you could technically say Rahim. Okay? So similarly, Wahid, uh, and all the names of Allah, you should say like, you know, Abdul or, you know, Abd before it. But Wahid, uh, what are we saying? Uh, uh, if, you, if you put the Alif Lam at the beginning of a noun in Arabic, it becomes a specific individual. So because Wahid could belong, could be used for other people, when referring to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we'll say Al-Wahid. Because He is the unique one. Not just any unique one, but the unique one. But Ahad, Ahad can't be used for anyone. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Qul huwallahu Ahad. That say, He is, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is Ahad, He's one. Not Al-Ahad. There's no need to use the Alif Lam and make it definite because it's already definite. It's already definite, despite not looking like it's definite. Yeah. So for words like Rahman and Ahad that were only for Allah, yeah. are they words that were, that never existed before the Qur'an, came up in the Qur'an, and then there's like a hadith defining them, or how do these... Allah alam if there was what usage there was, but uh, at the least we can say is that um, at least after Islam, there's no, uh, there's no, like, they cannot be used for other people, for other beings, except for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, unless the sifa of, of abd, of abdiya, of slavehood is attached to it. 
So that's why we'll say Abdul Rahman, the slave or servant of the Rahman. Abdul Ahad, right? The slave of Ahad. Okay? <clears throat> so Ahad is more specific than Wahid. Now, the ulama then speaking about this name, they say that it is, that Al-Wahid is the name that becomes the key to understanding all the attributes of Allah. So as you mentioned, it is the knot that brings all of it together. And then some of the ulama mentioned that the one who realizes this name to its full extent becomes the Qutb of the time. So what is the Qutb? Anybody know? Anybody heard of this term? No, no, that's Khatib. That's with a Kha. This is, uh, this, yeah, this is Qutb. So, <clears throat> I don't know if I've spoken about him about it here before, maybe I have. There's a hadith of the Prophet which speaks about the Abdal. Anybody heard of the Abdal? There's a hadith of the Prophet which, which means, is in the meaning that uh, there are 40 individuals, most of them are to be found in Sham, in the Levant, right? Syria, Lebanon, Palestine, those areas. Most of them are to be found there. And there are a group of 40 people who are the best of people. They are the best individuals in the world. They are the closest 40 beings to 40 people to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And whenever one of them dies, Allah ta'ala brings another into that rank. Okay, so one person. So they're a group of 40 that always remain. That doesn't mean that these 40 people live forever. It means that they can die, but when one of them dies, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brings another one into this fraternity, so to speak. Right, into this exclusive group, so to speak. Okay? And they are the highest level of levels of they have the highest levels of wilaya, of closeness and friendship to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the kutub is the one who he's the one. He's the best, uh, he's the the best, the one who has the closest relationship to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's it. Hands down, this individual is the best person in the world as far as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is concerned. So some of the ulama mentioned that one who realizes this name, Al-Wahid, to its full extent is the, is the Qutb. It's that individual. Right? And, and, you know, Allahu Alam, who it is, that person, the ulama say that that individual knows who he is. Right? Once you reach that level, like, you know. And, you know, it's, it's probably somebody who's, like, sitting in Syria and had nothing, you know, even before the war started and now he's just suffering more and, like, you know, it's usually, like, those type of people. <laughs> You know what I mean? But um, anyway, that's something, that's a, a sort of a side note that's been mentioned for, for this Al-Wahid because that's how important it is, right? So some say that this is, we, we've spoken about the Ismul Adam before. So some say that the name Allah is the Ismul Adam, the greatest name. And some say, as we mentioned last time, Al-Qayyum is the greatest name. Some say that Al-Wajid is the greatest name. Sorry, Al-Wahid. Some say that Al-Wahid is the greatest name. <coughs> Any questions about that so far? One question. We were talking about how Allah's essence can be split up. Yeah. But uh, there's a common hadith like with, that refers to Allah's mercy on the earth. He's split up to 99. It's like a, nine, I think it's 100 parts. One is for this dunya. And 99 say for Allah, for the day of judgment and mercy for everyone. How does that figure into it? Yeah, so that's, that's not splitting up his attributes. That's just how he's... That's just showing how much more mercy Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will have in the Akhirah or on the Day of Judgment. It's just, He's showing that He's going to multiply his, his mercy. 
but it's not being divided out that like, okay, now I only have this much mercy left. You know what I mean? So it's not saying that his mercy is finite, the same anymore, or that it can, it can be split up. Or is it just, yeah. just for our interpretation? Yeah, it's not, it can't, his, 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 meaning his attributes cannot be split up, split up. You cannot remove one of his attributes from him. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala cannot be divided out, you know, mm-hmm. like, like we can lose a limb, but Allah ta'ala cannot lose an attribute, mm-hmm. right? We can become blind and so the attribute, the ability to see goes away, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that can't happen for him, okay? Um, also referring to... Um, Yeah, okay, we'll, we'll go on to... So the next name is uh, As-Samad. So As-Samad is the one who is eternally besought. So قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدُ اللَّهُ samad Allah is As-Samad. So Samad is the one that is eternally besought. So that's what, what? قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدُ Say, Allah, He is one. Allahu samad He is the one who is besought. He is the one who is always sought. لَمْ يَلِدْ وَلَمْ يُولَدْ that he is not, he does not beget nor is he begotten, right? He does not have a child nor is he born. Um, so as samad comes in that very same surah. Um, and what it means is, the, it's, he's the one that we turn to for all of our needs. For all of our needs, we turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it says that the one who is appointed as a model, fulfilling people's worldly and religious duties... He secures their needs by his words and actions. This person is said to have a share in this name. The person who is appointed as a model to fulfill people's needs, both worldly needs and religious needs, and secures their needs by his words and actions. So the Ulama mentioned that, for example, when a person is sick, he goes to a doctor. When he needs money, he goes to the rich. When he needs to seek wisdom, he goes to the people of knowledge. But these individuals, they're not always readily available. You, you go to them, you have to wait. Sometimes they don't have the answer. Sometimes the doctor doesn't have the medicine. The rich person doesn't give you the money. Or the people of knowledge don't know the answer. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not like that. Right? So these people don't always have what... They're not always readily available. And they're not able to fulfill the task. A person has to wait. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is always there to answer. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is there to answer. And those individuals that we might go to to fulfill our needs are only the means. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who's actually fulfilling our needs. He's just using them and He doesn't even need them to fulfill the, to fulfill the need. Right? He doesn't even need them as a means. So He said that uh, Abd samad is the one who his hand, his tongue, and whole being are a means through which Allah satisfies the needs of creation. So a person who has taken his share from this name is that individual who by the use of his hands and his tongue and his whole being Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses him to satisfy the needs of the creation. Therefore, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because he is as-samad, he is the one who is sought for the elimination of all of our troubles. Right? And even those, who, even those who deny the existence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even they sometimes are caught saying, oh, if there is a God, then what? You know, whatever prayer they'll make. Right? Or... You know, like the example is given that, you know, when the, when the plane's going down or when the car's about to crash or when something like that's about to happen, all of a sudden everyone remembers Allah, right? They remember this supreme being. Even though they might not, they might deny it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but 
most people at that moment, they remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is always, we're always seeking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We're always seeking from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so we mentioned that Allah ta'ala is resourceful, uh, right? He is al-wajid uh, and he is al-samad. There's a hadith to the effect that, to the extent that it says that if, if all the people were to gather, the, the first of them and the last of them, the, you, what is it, the first of them and the last of them, and basically everyone, if everyone was to gather together and, and ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for something and He gave them, it would not take anything, it wouldn't diminish anything from His ability, from His bounties, from His resources, from anything. That amount, that what, when you dip a needle into the ocean, the amount of water that comes on it, it wouldn't even decrease that much from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we're always seeking, we're always seeking from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. <clears throat> but then Imam Uzayi says, and so the absolute eternal is the one to whom one turns in every need. And he is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So in this book, they've translated As-Samad as the eternal. But it's, it's more appropriate to say like the eternally besought because the, our seeking from him is eternal. The, everyone is always seeking from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Even after we die, we come back, we'll be seeking from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for whatever we desire, right? <clears throat> Any questions? Yeah. So you use the example of like you can ask a doctor, but he maybe wouldn't have medicine. Um, and, but like you can ask God, but how is that different? Because like you can ask God for something and he, you still won't get it. Is the difference that he can give it to you and he just doesn't? Whereas like the doctor might not even be able to give it to you? Yeah, so the doctor might not be able to give it to you at all, right? Um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can give it. Sometimes he holds it back out of his wisdom. And he has said that, you know, whatever, uh, whatever, so if we have, an, if whatever dua we make, for example, it will be answered in one of three ways, right? So either in the way that we ask, or it shields some other bad that would have come to us, or he'll give us the likes of it on the day of judgment, right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has the ability, but you know, it's the system of Allah and through His wisdom, sometimes He holds back, sometimes He gives. Um, but uh, the doctor or anyone else in this world are, are giving or are, uh, yeah, are giving or being able to help someone can be limited. Whereas Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is limitless. Right? And if the doctor tells you, no, I don't have it, we're not going to go back to them and ask them for more, right? Because they don't have it. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we keep asking, you know? And that's also could be uh, what's, what's implied here, that we should continuously be asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's, that's, you know, that's something that we should ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for as well, that to not become despondent when our needs are not met. You know? Because it's mentioned that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, sometimes He delays. And again, this is not like a, a hard and fast rule in every situation for everyone. But sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala delays because He loves the sound of our voice asking Him. And sometimes he gives people immediately because he hates that they call on him. Right? Sometimes we, we get deceived by thinking that, oh, you know, this person's living such a good life, but they're like totally bereft of religion. So maybe they are on the right path. Right? Sometimes we might think that way. Or sometimes we might uh, you know, think the opposite. That um, a, a person who is you know, in difficulty has done something to displease Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But that's not always the case. And there isn't, there isn't really a way for us to tell. All we can do is see the taqwa that a person has in their life. Right? But there's really no way for us to tell. So, but sometimes, the ulama have mentioned that sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he, he delays in giving 
because he loves that the person he loves this individual so much that he, he loves that they ask. And what happens? Usually, we we become lazy in our in our asking of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Sometimes you know he doesn't give us what you know what we ask for right away, and then we stop asking. And sometimes we're not even we don't even make du'a, and, and months or years will go by we don't even make du'a um, until he puts us in some difficulty. Sometimes that's the reason why, why he might put us in difficulty, possibly, right? Because he wants us to make du'a to him. You know? You know? Any other questions? Right. I figured we would have had time for more, but then kind of... The next names are Al-Qadir and Muqtadir. So this is kind of dealing with Taqdir and stuff like that. And, and his qudra, Allah's ability, so that's always a, it's usually lengthy. So we'll leave that for next time, inshallah. Any more names? Uh, there's, there's probably about 25 names left or so, because some of the names we've done, like we, there's a few names we went out of order on, uh, because they were similar. But it's, so last few weeks we've been doing like four names at a time now. Um, so like he does Al-Qadr and Muqtadr together, then he does Muqaddim and Mu'akhir together, and Awwal and Akhir together, and Zahir and Batin together. And most of them is just a very quick, short explanation. Some of them is still long. Some of them is like he just mentions the name and says, we've already spoken about this and moves on. <laughs> um, so we'll probably finish it like beginning of the next quarter, inshallah. What do you guys want to do after that? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> okay. Uh, we could go back to what we were doing before. Yeah.